Welcome to the Geekcentric Podcast, and welcome to our watch club for Marvel's Loki. You could be whoever, whatever you want to be, even someone good. I mean, just in case anyone told you different. What's up, Lokis, and welcome to Watch Club. My name is Nate, and in this week's episode titled The Nexus Event, we see some Loki self-love, we learn about Sylvie's haunted past, and we uncover a harrowing truth about the timekeepers. But first, if you're joining us for the first time, this is Watch Club, our weekly review series, kind of like a book club but way better. Keep in mind, we will be going into full spoilers for this series and the MCU in general, so if you haven't watched this week's episode yet, be sure to do so, and then come right back in a snap. Now, before we all fall in love with ourselves, let me introduce you to my wonderful group of Lokis we have joining us on the show today. First up, he's jumping through justifiably jagged jellifications of judicious jargon. He's just in time. Oh, yeah. Nice. Judition, whatever that word was. I love it. <laughs> I've heard it like a thousand it, times on this podcast. <laughs> I mean, I've run out of, I've run out of J names. Judicious. Yeah, it's like judging because you're judging and you speak a lot of jargon. Anyways, joining us digitally through space and time, we have the conniving craven, king of colossal kinetic catastrophes, Kevin, the conqueror of cookies, Hudson. Let's be honest, boys. If anybody was going to be into a twisted romantic relationship, it would definitely be me. I would <laughs> I definitely that. date myself. <laughs> <laughs> if he had a sister, he'd already be married to her. Oh, my God. Okay, <laughs> guys, come on. Come on now. Uh, and, and listen, last but certainly never least, joining us for his Watch Club and Geek-centric debut, Plucked. From one of my branching timelines, we have the maniacal, mythical, masterful, meticulous, and Machiavellian minister of meandering, the mischievous and miraculous Matthew of Midgard Rona. How are you doing today, Matt? <laughs> oh, very good. I'm happy to be on pod. There you yeah, go. There you go. 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 Long time listener, first time uh, guest host, I guess. Is that correct? There we go. Yeah, absolutely. Very cool. Very cool. Uh, Matt, listen, I know you as uh, a friend from work, uh, but for our <laughs> listeners who haven't had the pleasure of hearing your voice, would you mind telling them briefly who you are and uh, maybe when you fell in love with Marvel? Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm just really a friend from work. And, uh, and uh, <laughs> you know, I just I love movies, love pop culture. So, you know, this podcast has been highly entertaining for me based on that alone. And for me, um, I don't know, I fell in love with Marvel when I fell in love with Spider-Man. So I grew okay. up on a heavy diet of Spider-Man right from like the, you know, like that 70s style sarcastic Spider-Man all the way <laughs> into, you know, like Spider-Man comics and X-Men and, you know, just just really got into and then And then emo dancing Spider-Man is your favorite? Oh, I mean, I think... I think that was the first time I had to cover my eyes. <laughs> yeah, hundred um, percent. And and you know, I, I'm so stoked for for what's to come uh, with Spider Man. Uh, Matt, have you looked into or seen anything regarding No Way Home? What do you think about what the next Spider Man chapter? Uh, you know, I think it, it seems like the 
multiverse and Spider-Man are, are, ret- are set to collide, right? I think, um, you know, the Miles Morales movie really sort of, I think almost sort of set a bit of a template for what's going on in Marvel at large. It's cool. It's really interesting to see how, yeah, like Sony, Sony specifically Sony Animation could have maybe uh, kicked it into high gear for Marvel to say, okay, you know what? We need to get moving on this. So I, I like that idea. Um, but listen, before we get into this plot and uh, trap our listeners in an endless time loop of our favorite mem- memories from this episode, uh, let's actually take a, a time door to the past, maybe into a section of the timeline from maybe last week. As you may or may not know, my, my two regular fellow hosts uh, were sucked through a time door of their own and were unable to share their thoughts on last week's episode. Uh, so really quickly from Justin and Kevin, before I prune you, what did you think of last week's episode? Kevin? Uh, yeah, um, I, I, it just fell a bit flat for me. It was probably my, my least favorite of the, of the first three episodes. I just thought mm-hmm. there was... While there were great action sequences throughout the episode, the the times when it was a bit slower, it was really, really slow. And Mm -hmm. I didn't necessarily take a lot out of the information we were getting in those kind of low periods. Um, And then there were also some character decisions that bothered me. And I think I came out of it thinking, you know, this episode was just okay unless some of these character decisions going on through the series have a payoff. Right. And then I might feel completely different about the episode. And so, you know, we're now a week later and I'm like, hmm, do I feel differently about last week's episode? Yeah. Maybe we'll just yeah. have to discuss that as we go along. <laughs> For sure. I've, For sure. I'm definitely on the same wavelength as uh, as Kevin. Uh, you know, the episode last week was was fairly... It was slower in comparison to episodes one and two. Um, however, I think that some of the character elements that kind of took place in that, uh, they're going to matter more. And I think we do see them matter more uh, in this episode right off the bat. Um, that being said, though, I, I I was thinking like if I were to rate that episode, uh, I'd probably have, would have given it a 3.5 uh, out of 5. Who knows? This episode could matter or could could kind of reveal more in episodes five or six, but who knows? Maybe that's just us hoping, but I don't know. We'll see. Interesting. Okay. Well, listen, we're all caught up now. Uh, so let's 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 actually start with a brief overview of your high level thoughts on this week's episode, uh, Matt. Because you're joining us for the first time, uh, can you give us your thoughts on this episode and uh, starting off with the series so far? Your thoughts on uh, on Loki. Uh, well, I mean, I think this is the MCU series that's blown me away the most so far. I yeah. mean, I enjoyed the other ones. It's all good content, great actors, amazing production. But this one, I don't know, this one as a series feels like it's part of the MCU in a really different way. Yeah. Um, and maybe it's because of how much I consider Loki a, a core character, but mm-hmm. really like all of the feel of it, like even from like the set pieces to just the feel of it. It really does sort of, it fits in almost at a different level for me. So I've loved the series so far. I'm, I'm with you guys on the last episode was, I don't know. It's one of those ones where like having watched this one, if I binged it, I probably wouldn't have cared. I would have been like, oh great. Like that set up this episode. No problem. But like watching them weekly and dissecting them, it it felt slow and I missed I missed Owen Wilson. I was like, oh, like a whole episode without Owen Wilson? Like, what yeah. are you doing to me? Wow. Yeah, um, yeah. 
But this episode, like when I finished watching this episode, it's like, oh my God, like I'm psyched to be talking like this is the episode I get to talk about. I know, yeah. Um, I was like, if I had to talk about the last episode, yeah. I, I don't know if I would have been a great guest. Not that's that I, that's I, why I, Justin and I just said, you know what, Nate, you take it. Yeah. <laughs> no, you got sucked through a time door, Kevin. Yeah, so I, this episode's just been, you know, like it's just so packed. I think it, mm-hmm. it really does pay off for the last episode. Very cool. Justin, how about yourself? Yeah, no, Matt brings up a really great point. Like, if you were to binge this series, that episode probably wouldn't have stood out as such a sore thumb of being lackluster, if you will, in terms of, but because it is this weekly sort of, you know, we're diving in and we're discussing, it definitely draws more apparency to it that it is just a filler episode and that it, you know, was slower. Uh, That being said, this episode was a huge payoff. Uh, for all the things that we got and, and new mysteries that are established, you know, episode four, two episodes left. And, you know, there's new new questions, new things to be asking. And, you know, I, I think in, in classic MCU fashion, while we'll get some answers, we're not going to get them all. It'll be the thread that, uh, you know, pulls us into other movies and, and connects us. Uh, and connects, you know, this this phase four, if you will. But uh, yeah, it's definitely it was a very exciting episode to the point I actually uh, I tend to watch these episodes once and and just you know do these reactions with you guys and and think about as we go through the plots. But I actually rewatched this one because I really go. enjoyed it. So yeah. very cool, Kevin. How about yourself, my friend? Uh, yeah, I definitely enjoyed this week um, a, a, a bit more than I did uh, last week's episode, um, and. And I do think that it did answer some questions that should have been answered last week in terms of characters. I think they almost opened some doors, for, especially for Sylvie's character, that they basically just said, nah, it's none of that. This is the truth here, right? Um, and so I think that was almost like a waste of a time when you only have six episodes to work with. Right. And there was one thing that I'll get into eventually that bothered me throughout the episode. But otherwise, I thought it was fantastic. And they progressed the plot and gave us so many answers while not necessarily posing questions, but saying, and this is what's going to be next. Right. Um, and it was so great. And that that mid credit scene and just going, oh, why couldn't that have happened in episode two so we could get four episodes of this, of what's right. to come rather than only two? Yeah. Um, but I mean, again, if you're making me want more of something, you're doing your job right. So I think it was it was a great episode this week. Very cool. Um, yeah, like I agree with all of you. This this week's episode hit m- much more for me because I think last week's episode's pacing was yes. felt so off. Yeah. And so I actually enjoyed this uh, a lot because it honestly, much like the first episode, it felt very much like a movie. Uh, we got backstory. We got betrayal. We got huge revelations about a few characters. And then we're left with a few characters' fates you know, sort of left to mystery. So all of that I encom- I think of I think of a Marvel movie when I when I think of all of those right. those factors. So it really, really worked for me and it gave me exactly what I needed and then some. Uh, and I know I know that, you know, to what you're kind of mentioning, Kevin, like some could argue that that it gave some stuff up a little bit quickly, but you know, unless we get a second season, it makes sense because we only have two more episodes left. So it makes sense for them to speed up some of these developments that, you know, usually I would be on the I would be in the camp of saying, like, they're going too fast, like slow down with your, your character development. Um, but I was actually really OK with it. And I, I think it felt natural and, and it felt needed for sure. But uh, guys, let's not uh, you know waste any more time. They say time is money. So uh, without further ado, let's get into this plot. A pristine Asgard opens the episode where a young Sylvie plays with a toy ship in the palace. 
The peaceful moment is quickly interrupted with the appearance of Minutemen entering through a time door. A younger Ravona as Hunter A-23 is among them and personally takes Sylvie back to the TVA. Young Sylvie goes through the new, uh, the new variant process, as we saw with Loki in the first episode, right down to her presentation in front of a judge. But then Sylvie pulls a quick one, stealing Ravona's tempad and hopping through a time door. Cut to present day where we see Ravona enter the chambers of the timekeepers uh, through the golden elevator door. And we see the three of them sitting there on their thrones, shrouded in darkness. So what a way to open uh, this episode. I need to know what were your immediate thoughts on actually seeing the timekeepers? And why do you think Sylvie was originally captured by the TVA? Matt, let's start with yourself. Uh, it's a great question. Uh, you know, one thing that stood out to me, and maybe it's a small thing, but um, Sylvie's hair as a child was like mm-hmm. much more, much darker, much, I'm like, oh, that's what I expected from Loki. So I don't know if that's a thing or not, but I was like, oh, interesting that she's blonde when she gets older. Yeah. Um, or, you know, so I, that stuck out to me. And um, yeah, I, you know, I've got some theories about why she was taken. Um, I don't know if you want me to go into them now. I might like no, we, put a pin Nate in will, that. Nate will, Nate will make you put a pin in it and say, save it for the end. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, if it's if it's a big, juicy theory, if you've got a couple of things you'd like to share, you sprinkle it through. Yeah. Like, I think that's the million-dollar question right now about with this episode, even though it's the first thing that we kind of see, is what was her Nexus event, which will be a question that will be asked later, right? I love the interesting sort of, like, speed up of her being processed. Like, we've already lived through that experience of what it looked like and to see another Loki go through it just kind of hammers this idea that this is something that Lokis go through right like they, sure. that this that these variants will will experience um, I also caught the hair thing too but then I when I watched it on this on the second time in Asgard her hair is fairly dark but then when she gets into the courtroom and she has the the temp pad and she's about to leave you can see it's a lot like it's a dark brown with like little blonde highlights and I was like that's okay hmm. okay and now I'm I'm seeing it but I was interesting that I didn't like at first I noticed that it was very dark and it looked very low-key and I was like well are they going to explain why she changed her hair if that was like some way of like her having her own identity that's um, what I was going to say Justin yeah. I, I think I think honestly like unless to what you're describing is like she's being affected by jumping through time doors and that's what happens to someone's hair if they jump through enough time doors i don't know but in, in short yeah. i think it was just a lighting thing in the way yeah. that scene was lit and like colorized versus I when she so. gets in the cu- in the courtroom a lot more lights above her and you can yeah. really start to see like there's just a little bit more color so but i, don't I do think it's her it's her establishing her her own identity uh, sure. definitely yeah definitely cutting it you know she doesn't want to be a loki matt it just sort of dawns on me like so maybe you know, this show's so focused, obviously, <laughs> on Loki's. Um, and she's been running from the TVA for so long. Um, and the TVA seems like they just go after countless numbers of Lokis. Like, right. I wonder what her awareness of, like, other Lokis really are. And mm. is that, like, is the blonde hair, is her being called something different because she doesn't want to be associated with the with those other Lokis or, you know, like, has, or is there some impact or experience she's had with Lokis that has yet to be revealed? Yeah, because she definitely has a, a disdain for Lokis even before she really gets to know our Loki, right? So I, I can, wow, interesting. Interesting. Yeah, she was, okay. already, she was already, she was already aware of him in that yeah. shopping mall scene. So yeah, I totally think that there's, there is some sort of 
existing relationship between her and seeing another Loki of some kind. So, and like just going just going back to like you know her in Asgard, seeing Asgard first of all looks gorgeous. Uh, I miss it uh, since the destruction of Ragnarok. I, I I wish we could have it back. Maybe we do get it back in some way. Um, but I feel like you know this situation where she she was arrested for for being a goddess. You know that didn't really fit with what the timekeepers wanted for their for their sacred timeline. Oh, um, I see. So I'm I'm confused here because like you know was she originally was she originally the real Loki, and then everything got changed to input the Loki we know into the sacred timeline because maybe she's too heroic. You know, you hear her when she's being dragged through the 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 doors and she sees that guy that the the tva agent kind of has right she's like someone help him she's like freaking out she doesn't care about herself she's like someone help that guy and they made that a a very clear Mm -hmm. point Mm -hmm. so she's so different from our loki because of that and so maybe loki's are supposed to be bad guys and that's just the way that the 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 timekeeper or whoever they are want their time i think you're on to something so she was basically she was basically apprehended because she was a good guy and not a villain Essentially, it's almost like to get the Thor that they need, they need that foil, right? And maybe, and maybe, maybe Loki's, maybe Loki's are actually good people. That's that's pretty juicy for uh, right off. Listen, yeah, I I thought thought you were seeing these ideas. (laughs) I mentioned we can sprinkle things in if we want to. So listen, I'll I'll let you guys sprinkle stuff along as long as you have something to say for the end, Kevin. Uh, well, I'll just jump in and answer your second question um, about actually seeing the timekeepers. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And for me, as soon as I don't know, it's it's kind of been like, can these these specimen that you're talking about, these unbelievable, more powerful than the Infinity Stones, could they really just be an elevator shaft away? That always right. seemed kind of cheesy to me. Yeah. And so as this is all playing out and then later in the episode, I was like. I really enjoyed how they've they've done that aspect of it. I was very 100%. happy. Yeah, because I mean, if that was going to be a legit thing, and we just see these glowing red eyes in the smoke, and it was so cheesy and over the top, <laughs> in a great right. way because of how it pans out. Other, if it was legit, I don't know, man. I might not be tuning into episode five. Yeah. <laughs> well, they, they like again. They they are real characters especially in the, in the comics and i think with with everything that phase four is meant to reveal who knows if they're if they were in existence and someone took them out do you know what i mean like Ooh. we're jumping ahead oh I, i'm i'm totally on board with the, the 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 timekeepers being a thing but three snokes sitting in a cloudy room is not how i want <laughs> that to actually exist in this universe and sure, so i'm glad sure. you know like i said wizard of oz Wizard of Oz. That's totally what this is. Um, And I think there's even more to it that we'll discuss as we go. Who's the character that we're going to see in What If? Is Uh, he called The Watcher? Yes, The Watcher. I got Watcher vibes from that that room and that that look and that sort of pedestal, Uh, even very uh, Thanos. All right, I'm opening the predictions floodgates. You guys can say whatever you want. Oh, wait, hold on. That's what this episode episode is. (laughs) I'm telling you right now. But no, I just need to shout out really quick because you mentioned The Watcher. We mentioned The Watcher on our our last podcast with uh, Daniel Baptista from the movie podcast. And we were talking about, you know, who is that mailman that, that Sylvie was talking about? Well, one of the uh, characters that we've seen in canon interact with 
the Watchers um, is Stan Lee. And so, you know, while I don't think it's Stan Lee necessarily behind all this, it, there could be that thread and that through point. Uh, and maybe that was a little bit of foreshadowing. But listen, let's keep moving on here. We, we, then, we then see Ravona return from her conversation with the timekeepers as Mobius asks her if she's okay. She tells him under the best of circumstances, it's jarring to stand before the timekeepers and that they blame her for, mishandling, uh, for the mishandling of the two Loki variants that could have attacked them. Mobius attempts to calm her down and asks to speak with Hunter C-20, to which Ravona, while asking him to keep it a secret, tells him she can't speak with him because she's dead. Then, back on Lamentis, as rocks plow through the planet uh, and the world literally crumbles around them, Loki and Sylvie completely put their distrust and grievances behind them as they face their impending doom. Sylvie gives Loki a rundown of her abduction by the TVA and explains how she was on the run after her entire reality was erased, uh, saying the universe wants to break free, so it manifests chaos, uh, which is what she says you know, of her own creation, giving credence to the nefarious goals of the TVA. Realistically, Sylvie doubts their survival, but Loki reassures her that a Loki will often lose, but a Loki will always survive. Off in the distance, we do see a massive rock slam into the ground, creating a speeding wave of debris in all directions. The two embrace for the impact and hold each other close, causing an unusual nexus event that gets picked up by the TVA. The two are located and two convenient time doors pop up ready for uh, escape as they're captured and thus rescued from the destruction of Lamentus One. So guys, this seems kind of weird. And I know, Kevin, you kind of wanted to talk about this because you, you said you would date yourself. Uh, <laughs> when you look at it in different contexts, it, it seems kind of odd. But I got to ask, you know, with the love blossoming between Loki and Loki, I mean, Sylvie, uh, you know, is that what caused this Nexus event? Uh, the 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 love that shall not be named. In other words, the <laughs> the, the 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 taboo esque uh, sort of Self-love. romance going on here. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if I've ever seen a character in television or movies that was going to fall in love with themselves. <laughs> it was Loki, yeah. Loki yeah. is the one to do it. Like yeah. that's yeah. you know that works for me. Hmm. I, honestly, I, I think that they they foreshadowed this enough that that is the Nexus event. That their alignment and their coming together is that we've you know even the fact that Loki established that in in an apocalyptic period you know depending on the very variation nothing could be detected but this was so big that this caused a nexus event among an apocalyptic scenario so like i think they've done a really great job foreshadowing it to really cement that this is impactful and it it means something um that being said i don't really know if it's as much of a romantic as much as it is endearing and an alignment i don't know i i I get that there was some touchy eye sort of stuff but like (laughs) i don't know like it's just it's it's hard to it's hard to see that that's where they might go with it unless they discover that she's not actually a loki but Mm. oh my god there's so much there a she's 100 percent a loki uh b (laughs) that is all love like that's what owen that's what mobius preyed on was his like genuine affection for this guy and not like a little sister or a best friend that was romantic love yeah. yeah um like the first rule of time travel is always you can't encounter yourself or else it screws everything up so the fact that these two 
have not only encountered themselves, but they're working together. And now maybe even more. Of course, that's going to be yes. the biggest spike they've seen, I think. You know, I think that's what's what's coming out of that. And that's that's what I mean, right? Like, I think that that's the bigger thing for me rather than necessarily this exploration of them actually having a relationship. Like, like I get that that's what they were hinting at. And to your point, what Mobius kind of pulls at Loki to kind of like get to him later in the episode. But again it's it's hard it's hard to get a read on it really other than just what's what's really been you know discussed based on this episode so i don't know i just i need to ask though like is this really loki loving himself because i here's the thing i don't really see loki and sylvia as the same right like we've already talked about no, sylvia's very I mean. different yeah. from loki and so yeah. i think the the part that he's attracted to is the fact that she is different from him, that she does have that commonality. Yes. They have that similar yeah. understanding of being someone that maybe wasn't wanted forgotten. or maybe someone that was forgotten or yeah. lost. Yeah. And so I think that's where that attraction starts, but I think it ends with with her being so so different. It's still just falling in love with a better version of himself, though, right? <laughs> like, it's still there. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I, yeah. Think, I think he is in love with himself, and, like, I think they went for it. Like you guys are obviously making that argument that it's definitely a love attraction. And it makes sense, again, for Loki's character that that would exist because he's such a narcissist, right? Like he's right. so he's so into himself and he's he's proven that at, even throughout the season it, as a reminder. So it is very like the groundwork is laid there for something that could be romantic. But I feel like is that just not like, you know, a romance causes a nexus event? Like, I don't know. I think I think there's more to it than the romance. Exactly, yeah. But I do think that I, I love that they. I mean, for Disney, I know it's Marvel, but like for Disney to go there, I thought that was awesome. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like they're just gonna go. Yeah, there. it's a <laughs> it's a bit it's a bit out there for sure. Uh, yeah. But I, I do want to say <clears throat> the one thing that stood out in the the sequence you just described between the couple scenes there, um, and it's a theme throughout the episode for me. Ravona has now become my least favorite character in the entire MCU just because oh, wow. of her actions in this episode. Like, as an audience, we've been, you know, we've had seeds planted where something is a little awry with the, the, the TVA. That's what we're supposed to think. And then in this episode, obviously, they keep hammering in on that and we're getting more and more suspicious. Her character was the most obvious bad guy trying to hide something I've ever seen in my life. Like her acting was bad. The the way they had her character talk to to Owen Wilson, to Mobius, like it was so on the nose that it felt cheesy to me. Mm. And it happened throughout the whole episode. Everything that was obvious, they like hammered it in. It's like, we get it, guys. We get what's going on here. I I think it's purposeful, but I think the reason you feel that way, I I just I think they're going to change your the mind before the cookies, end of the series. Bro. I think something. Yeah, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. Uh, <laughs> um, but I also just really want to shout out Owen Wilson. He unfortunately he still hasn't gotten to drop. Um, how? Uh, <laughs> but he did. Yeah, he did. He dropped a how, and I was like, that was everything for me. That was everything. Um, all right, back at the TVA, Sylvie is taken in one direction, and Loki is sent back to the original questioning room with Mobius. Uh, without much discussion, Mobius tosses Loki through a red time door, uh, in even, uh, even after Loki yells at him, telling him the TVA is lying. This time loop uh, of a bad memory sees Sif, the Asgardian warrior from the first two Thor movies, enter the room with a fistful of her own cut hair before smacking Loki around. 
Whatever trick Loki pulled to cut her hair leads her to tell him uh, he deserves to be alone, an insult he cares greatly for after repeated runs of the loop. By the end, Loki apologizes to Sif and claims he's a narcissist who seeks attention. A somewhat sympathetic Sif, you know, helps him up, uh, but then she stands firm on her, her view of him as a person. At this point, Mobius yanks Loki back to the question room where he doesn't believe he has anything meaningful, meaningful to say about his new TVA realization. Loki goes on uh, into full-on deception mode, stating he was pulling the strings all along, having met with Sylvie long ago to devise a plan to take down the TVA. Mobius gets his own round of lies in by sharing that they've already pruned Sylvie, and you see the, the look of uh, disappointment on Loki's face. His re- seeing his reaction, Mobius realizes that Loki has fallen in love for, Siri, for Sylvie and deems him the ultimate narcissist, saying that a Loki has fallen in love with himself. How fitting. Yeah, exactly. The persistent teasing gets Loki to fold, and he screams out his secret. The TVA is made up of variants. All the workers are people plucked from throughout the time, uh, the timeline to do the timekeeper's bidding. Seeing as this comes from Sylvie and her ability to see into people's minds and memories, Mobius remains unconvinced and sends Loki uh, away back to the dreaded Lady Sif time loop. So guys, what did you think of seeing Jamie Alexander back as Sif uh, and what did you think of this form of TVA torture, Matt? Well, I mean, I thought this scene w- was so good on so many levels. Like, so it's got, you know, your elements of Groundhog's Day, right? Where he's just reliving right. the loop and trying to find different ways to manipulate it. Um, but, you know, beyond that sort of comic element, it also, like, I thought it was really impactful. Like, you know, so the first ones, you know, he's getting kicked in the nuts, he's getting kicked in the nuts. But then... <laughs> Um, the last one where she helps him up, she doesn't kick him in the nuts. But when she tells him he's going to be alone, it's it was worse, worse than, than a the kick, in, kick the in the nuts. Yes. <laughs> like, it was way worse. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, and you can feel that theme in this episode of yeah. like, is he going to be alone? Does he think he should be alone? Yeah. Um, so, you know, that scene, I just I thought it it, it moved a lot of things along in mm-hmm. a really entertaining way. Yeah. Uh, really well. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Like. Matt's right. Like there, there's, again, in this episode, they are playing with that deception of is it narcissistic love that's blooming here, or is it this sort of connectivity of him being not wanting to be alone that he has that sort of connection with, with Sylvie. So I feel like this scene kind of captures that when she, as you you said, looks at him and says, you know, you'll you'll always be alone, right? Like it's a reminder mm-hmm. to him that, you know, he doesn't really have anyone, especially being ripped from his own timeline, like. There's a, there's a parallel that the two share. So uh, I think it was impactful on many levels rather than just his nuts. So <laughs> <laughs> I think that's like almost one of the most interesting things about the character of Loki, not just in this show, but in the various arcs that we've seen him in. Um, like the Loki that we lose in Infinity War had gone through so much and had changed as a character and had grown and, you know, the things that he does for his brother and, and his people and, and it just in general, you know, he was such a stronger character than the one that gets branched off from the, the first Avengers and that we start this show with. And in those first two episodes, they really sped up that process where he gets to see the things that he would have gone through. And, and, and it felt like he learned from that. And I think that was one of my biggest annoyances from the third episode was that he seemed to just regress to being 
a spoiled little Asgardian brat in that third episode, and he right. made such bad decisions. Yeah. Um, and so, again, I hope that we see some sort of payoff to that before the end of the show. But then in this episode, he gets this other huge sort of lesson, this, this, this humbling experience. And, you know, when he's on his knees groveling and then she says that to him and his eyes just die, you know, and you always will be alone. Yeah. You know, it's like this is a this might be an even deeper and, and you know, more interesting Loki than we even had in the Infinity War era. So, yeah, it's it's very his character is so amazing. No, for sure. And I, I think, you know, you mentioned the the brat Loki that we, we, we used to have. And so obviously Lady Sif. Uh, had her run-ins with that Loki as well. And so seeing uh, Jimmy Alexander show up to play Sif, I thought it was super cool. And it it speaks to the the amount of characters that they can really play with, you know, in the MCU. It, oh, yeah. It, it's gotten to the point where, like, in the comics, where if they keep, you know, bringing in these fresh directors like Kate Heron and writers like Eric Martin and, and Michael Waldron, like, they can do anything, right? They can do anything they want, and they can find a way to make it still fit within the timeline that we know from the films uh, and even within multiverses. So it's just, it's it's super cool, and I, I love that we already know that she's going to be back in Thor Love and Thunder. Mm-hmm. So, I you know, I, I don't know if that, I don't think this will tie into any of that, but uh, it's just kind of cool to kind of see her again getting us ready to to see the character again yeah um i also really like this scene because yeah like you guys said tom hiddleston's acted like i just i can't we talk about the acting for all these main characters and all these marvel shows but just this moment him portraying how loki feels in that moment you see him going from his like normal pleading like you know conniving loki at, at right away he's like ah you know he does the thing with his arms where he like puts them up in the note you know and then and then and then he's just like it's just cool because you see him go to that point where he understands what Mobius really wants him to say about himself because he kind of knows like this is just another Mobius thing because Mobius is very much about Loki sort of self-improving if you will yeah like you can almost feel it he's not exhausted and tired of it because he keeps getting slapped in the face and kicked in the nuts he is emotionally crippled like he cannot physically hear somebody say those words to him one more time. That's what's hurting him and getting harder and harder to take every single time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, on that, listen, uh, meanwhile, Hunter B-15 is dealing with her own crisis after having an encounter with Sylvie and her powers in episode two. B-15 is left confused and questioning her existence. B-15 enters the holding cell for uh, Sylvie and takes her through a time door, returning to an apocalyptic hurricane back in 2050 in front of the Roxxon shopping center. Uh, And there, Sylvie explains she can't create memories. She can only access what is already there. B-15's memories are real. And then she's uh, she's shown them, and then she's all of a sudden she's on board to help stop the TVA as she asks, "What now?" Mobius and Ravona chat once again as they celebrate the upcoming pruning of the Loki variants. Mobius manages to switch the temp pads with Ravona, and then in the library, Mobius watches an interrogation tape where he sees C twenty, the supposed unable to speak commander that was kidnapped by Loki in Episode Two. And in this recording, she speaks clearly about her realization that they are all variants. He's then most disappointed to see that it was Ravona running the interrogation all along. Mobius has now decided to jump ship as well. A fully realized Mobius then enters Loki's time loop, and both of them team up once again, this time to take on the TVA with Mobius asking Loki to trust him, telling him that he can be whoever he wants to be, even someone good. 
The two walk through the time door, kind of smiling a little bit, only to be confronted by a very stern-looking Ravona waiting on the other end. The two confront each other, and Mobius plays dumb, but only for a moment. Then he tries to get through to Ravona by telling her where he'd go if, he'd, if, you know, if he could go anywhere, which was a question that she asked him earlier in the episode. And he mentions he would go to wherever he's from, and that maybe there he's got a jet ski. Without much hesitation, Ravona orders the pruning of Mobius, and just like that, he's disintegrated. So guys, what do you think of you know, Hunter B-15? What do you think she saw that made her so willing to go against the TVA? And where did Mobius go? Is he gone forever? What do you think, Kevin? She saw her own jet ski, whatever, whatever (laughs) it was, right? And I think it was a a family that she she mentions, right? I I want to see, yeah, yeah, I want to see that family that I had before. I I, I think so. Well, she does. I think she just says like, I'm so happy or something like that. Right. And so I think, I think, I think you're right though. I, I don't think it was mentioned, but I do think she, she does see a family because, you know, she doesn't really seem like the kind of person that forms much of a relationship with anyone in the TVA. So to see her so happy there, I don't think she saw herself alone and happy. I think she saw herself uh, with her family. Yeah. I think she saw the life that she had that where she was happy and the, that that surrounding right like again this it's it's incredible that they've added this layer now to the TVA where B15 she's been set up as being the most committed TVA right yeah, to the exactly. TVA right so like to see her sort of turn like this obviously what she saw and felt was very real and very visceral that she comes back you know a different person she's woke you know what I mean like yeah. that's that's yeah. the term right so yeah I mean as for Mobius though like we do know he comes back, spoiler, because there's some footage in trailers that we haven't seen yet. So assuming that they don't use all that footage in the show, then maybe not. But I think I think at least we'll get to see him riding a jet ski and then maybe he's like pulled back into the chaos to save Loki and Sylvie. And he's like, he's like, oh, wow, like I have to get off this jet ski <laughs> or whatever. I don't know. I mean, the only thing I'll say is like, so obviously we find out more later about what getting... Um, pruned is all about mm-hmm. but when it happened like it took my breath away yeah, I was yeah. like, like I, yeah. You, what yeah. Like, yeah. i'm like i just went a whole episode without him and he's finally back <laughs> in my life i just loved his banter and yeah. you're gonna prune him oh, like no. i i could not believe it was a good point to, it was a moment. good point after he gave such a you know fatherly brotherly sort of advice to to loki that he steps through and and that those actions happen it was yeah, it was, was a bit OBR jarring moment right yeah absolutely yeah for but, sure yeah I'm I'm honestly shocked here. Like maybe it it becomes more obvious towards the end of the episode because we haven't gotten there yet in our little discussion here. But really, like you guys thought he was gone when he got pruned. I mean, I think it was like giving moment, just, like at the yeah. end of Infinity War. Did you really think they were all toast when they got <laughs> dusted? I don't know. I thought like okay, there is something up with the prune. I, but I, you haven't had any underlying suspicions this whole time that pruning wasn't quite what they made it seem to be. As sudden as it was, I would say that, yes, it, it was very jarring. Then after I thought about it as it was happening and I was just like, no, he's going to come back, right? He's and, gone. You know, I, think, yeah. I think, but I don't think that's what, I don't think that's what was impactful about that moment. It's the emotion. What was impactful about yeah. that moment was seeing Loki's reaction. Yeah. And that's what really hit me. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I hope, uh, I hope we do, I, we, I, yeah, we'll definitely get to see him again. But how that happens uh, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, both Loki and Sylvie are pushed through the gold elevators uh, with Ravona at their side. And Sylvie asks Ravona, what was her nexus event? What was what was that? Asking, you know, what led to her life being erased and what led to all of this? To which Ravona responds by telling her she doesn't 
really remember. Then uh, the trio walk into the timekeeper's chambers, and the three gods begin to speak. They offer the two, uh, you know, a final few words before getting pruned. Uh, but this gives Sylvia a chance to deduce that the high beings floating in front of them are actually scared. Before things could proceed, B-15 appears at the elevator doors and uh, in an amazing way and disables the time-controlling neck braces of the two prisoners, then throws a sharp sword uh, towards Sylvie. Uh, in, a, in a way like to hand it to her. Uh, a fight erupts, B-15 <laughs> is knocked out, and the two variants fight off a bunch of guards, and Sylvie disables a very capable Ravona. As a final act of defiance, Sylvie throws the sword at the head of the center timekeeper, uh, chopping his head off, only to realize they're a group of fake mindless androids. As Loki reassures Sylvie that, listen, they're going to figure it out. This, this, we, we can get to the answers here. Uh, he begins to sort of profess his feelings, if you will. And Ravona prunes him. And as he disappears, it, you know, it cinematically reveals Ravona behind him. A very angered Sylvie pins down Ravona and demands that she tell her everything. And that is the end of the episode. Now, there is a post credit scene. And we will get to that in our prediction section. I kind of will we'll kick off our prediction section by talking about that. But first, what did you think of this incredible final sequence? And, and what, does this, what does at least this part mean, you know, before the, the final, uh, you know, uh, end credit sequence? You know, clearly Ravona knows some degree of truth as to who the timekeepers really are. Um, but androids, you know, who do you think is really pushing the buttons then? Anybody, anybody got any ideas? Well, I mean, I have a theory on this. It's probably it. wrong, but I have a theory on this. So, okay. you know, it's called Loki. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and even back to that first question, I'm like, oh, well, who, like, who would, who would be, like, upset about this child? Um, you know, and what motivation would there be? So, I don't know. I'm going to go on a tangent here, but anybody ever watch... Um, Oh, what's it called? Celebrity Rehab with Dr. Drew? <laughs> sure, <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> like, in some ways, like, I'm like, oh, this is just a big therapy session. And, like, Mobius is Dr. Drew, and he's been spending all of this time with all of the different personalities of Loki. Mm. And, like, this whole exercise feels like a big therapy session. Right. Like, you know, how are we getting these cosmic Lokis, um, you know, to, to sort of work through their issues with all of these different um, variants and variations, right? So, you know, part of me goes like, okay, you know what? Maybe there's a Loki that won. And that Loki is, is keeping that timeline in place. Um, and he is going after all the other Lokis. Um, <laughs> and, and, and everybody in the TVA is, is Lokis. And, and the reason her crime is, well... Her parents told her um, early on that she was adopted. Right. So she's not going to have... And she accepted it and just moved on. So no daddy issues, no mom issues, no, you know, none of those things, right? So like, and and you could see how like a Loki might be like, what? Like so jealous of the fatherly love that she was going to get, you know, that she'd get along with Thor, like, and just the idea of somebody not having to suffer. Like I could see the jealousy of that being so crippling that they would be like, I'm plucking you. Like that's not happening for you. And so to me, it's like, like my big thing is this might all actually be happening in Loki's mind. 
And I've got some more theories on this, but... Whoa! Okay, 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 okay. We'll get to those. We'll get to those. Kevin. Last week, I actually sort of had a premonition or a, a feeling that this might be the case. And because of the time door I got sucked through, I wasn't able to share it with everyone. <laughs> but I just want to go on record. Uh, I had that idea as well. Interesting. Yes. Okay. Uh, but listen, I also wanted to just shout out something that has nothing to do with the crazy epic- epicness that Matt just dropped on us. Um, the set design in this scene was really cool. It was very eminent, uh, reminiscent of uh, like MC Escher, you got yeah, all these the like stairs, stairs. and yeah. I think I think like visually, they're it's cool how they're telling a story with even the visuals, the 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 location here, because I think it all does really mean something, and I think this scene and these this uh, MC Escher stairway, you know, walls kind of alludes to the falseness of these characters in that like even destroying them, you know, it it, it feels like Sylvie isn't getting anywhere. Yeah. with her quest for answers. So it's like, yeah. you're never going to get to your answers. I don't know. I think that's yeah. super cool. I think the set design is, uh, as as you pointed out, it, it kind of like, by referencing that artwork, it, it feels very like, you know, time and space are just just endless. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. like, and, and it's, it's, it's like a very chaotic and confusing, which I think is another theme that they kind of play with, with the idea of time being very chaotic. Um, the set design and the, and the look of the, of the space was, was, was really interesting. I don't know, like this, this use of red, the red door, the red magic, right? Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm not saying I'm not. Go, I'm not going. Uh, it reminds me of Wandavision, but I'm definitely not going down the Mephisto. But I feel Mephisto! like. But I, I feel like the whole idea of the multiverse and and yeah. you know the red association. Like, I don't know if they're trying to create some sort of an alignment with with what we're seeing here. So you know th- those sort of things kind of jumped out at me as being and and even like the design. Like uh, I, I was watching a YouTube video uh, with Eric Voss and he pointed mm-hmm. out the same thing saying it looks very similar to like when Wanda uh, builds those like symbols in the sky and she oh, the runes. ruins, right, to protect yeah. someone she's fighting. So like could this be something that's like connected with that sort of power in that that place? Who knows, right? But Interesting. there's something else behind this and, and I think that that's what this scene and this whole this whole setup here does really well is the audience thinks they're getting answers and they you know sever the head of that quite literally and then they you know plant new things that we can kind of explore so it's gonna be interesting to see now i'm gonna i'm gonna come back around to the the craziness of of who's behind all this but i just also want to just mention like the fight at the end was was fantastic it was probably my maybe my favorite fight sequence that i've seen because you see them fighting at least in this series you see them fighting in tandem and i just think that's so cool like just again just showing off that they're loki's and as for ravona i i really have to wonder though like what she's still fighting for here because the fact that the timekeepers are robots you know doesn't seem to face her when she wakes up or maybe she doesn't realize it when she wakes up because she's so focused on getting to to sylvie but I think it's it's very possible that whoever is behind all this that Ravona actually has some sort of relationship with them. I don't I don't think she's kept in the dark. I think she knows everything that's going on. She keeps discussing another agent that keeps coming through her office and you know a lot of people saying, "Oh, maybe it's Kang the Conqueror. Maybe it's the real Miss Minutes because we know Tara Strong has mentioned in interviews that she we haven't seen the last of of Miss Minutes. So maybe there's uh, some sort of element to Miss Minutes in this. Um, I hope it's not just like a big AI at the end of this or, or something like that. But I I have I have another you know what? I have another thought. I'm going to save it for my predictions, though. I'm, I'm going to save it because it's similar to what Matt was talking about, but a little different. Kevin? I, I, I got to give you guys credit because you totally swayed me on what bothered me in this episode. Uh, like, I, I'm, I'm convinced in another way now, and it's wonderful. 
Um, I was really bothered by how just stupidly obvious Ravona was this whole episode. Yep. And now it's obvious, like, yes, because she wanted him to know without <laughs> being able to tell him, okay, I feel like a dope now for not seeing it through the first time. Um, and just to give real credit to this, the way this all played out, like, Marvel has made a raccoon in a tree be this convincing beloved duo. They made a planet a believable, yeah. viable bad guy. Yeah. For them to take this super powerful entity and make them three cheesy dudes in a room, and it was like, that's not what's actually going on here. And so I love that, obviously, that's not what was going on. And so they hammed it up to the extreme, right? They made them like Chuck E. Cheese characters basically sitting in those <laughs> chairs. And it just, the payoff, it worked really well, I thought. Yeah, you said it earlier when you said it was so Wizard of Oz, right? Like it was classic, like, you know, somebody needed to pull back the curtain. Mm -hmm. And um, even when you said earlier, like when you're talking about the Watchers or Thanos, it's like we're used to the MCU. Like if it's somebody of that significance, like the set piece would be so much more dynamic and impressive and, you know, have that wow moment. So, I mean, they, they you're right, hammed it up is right. Like they set this up to, to be torn down. Interesting. Cool. Well, listen, uh, speaking of, of tear, setting it up to tear it down, we're going to tear down uh, the, the remainder of the podcast. We're wrapping up our discussion on the plot uh, and then we'll get to our, 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 you know, our predictions as well. But listen, let's get to our final thoughts on this episode as well as your final score, uh, which we're actually going to be ranking on a scale of one to five Loki variants. Uh, Matt, let's start with you. Uh, you know, I mean, this this is the only episode in the MCU TV series that I would have given it to, but I'm going to go like a full 10 on the Loki variants. Jeez. Um, okay. So you go with a five then, or are you going to go above the scale? <laughs> it's out of five. No, 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 really. Like this was, yeah. this is a perfect score for me. I, yeah. I don't know yeah. that I could have asked for more out of a single episode. Yeah. Very awesome. cool. Okay. Sweet. Justin. Um, yeah. I, I think that this episode uh, does a lot in terms of, you know, closing out certain things and answering questions while also setting up new ones. It's, it is that sort of like transition into like the final act of this season. It's so hard when you have six episodes, right? Like, and, and the story has to be so concise and you still want it to be, you know, alluring and, and, you know, you want that, that attention, especially when you're doing weekly. Um, and they've done a really great job with, you know, planting seeds and, and, in the, in the first three episodes and destroy it, tear it down and, and rebuild something new. And I think that's what this episode does really well. So for, for that reason, I think I'd give it uh, 4.3 out of 5 Loki variants. Okay. All right. Kevin, how about yourself? You going to do an awkward number like Justin always does? No, you've got to <laughs> always give the decimal point. No. Round, round numbers are too easy. Too easy. Um, no, but uh, last week I was really disappointed by Loki's actions. And I said you know, to myself, if they're justified in this episode, then I might – look back on that episode a little more fondly. And I really don't think they were in this episode. I don't think they're going to go back and justify why Loki just decided to be a douchebag on that train and almost get them killed. Like, I, I, I honestly saw him in this episode sitting there ready to die as just, I screwed up and now we're toast. So I, I don't think I can look back last week and forgive those errors. But this week, I think they did so much right. And, and it was just such an interesting episode in terms of everything that was happening, everything we found out, especially as we finished the episode with the post credit sequence, it's like, Oh, there's only two episodes left to explore what you're going to open up. Right. Uh, but I just think it did such a good job. Again, I go back to, they never should have 
teased that she wasn't a Loki because she so clearly is a Loki. And that was a waste of time, in my opinion, to mm. to even make you wonder whether she was or not just to pay it off the next episode. But anyways, great episode, great action and great story development, both moving into this episode and then forward. I'm going to give it the same score as Justin, a nice solid 4.3 out of five Loki variants. Very cool. I think you gotta you gotta go easy on Loki. You know, if <laughs> if if Doctor Drew were watching, he would say that Loki had to hit rock bottom in episode three uh, before he could really, you know, like accept that. change. Fair That's enough. Yep. Fair enough. Yeah. Or or uh, or rock bottom had to literally fall down as a planet on him. Mm. And uh, so maybe <laughs> and so maybe that might have been the first time that this Loki, at least, was that close to death, right? Right. He, you know, he might have seen himself in a different timeline die, but who knows if that this Loki has ever been that close. And so with that thing, with the planet coming to crash into to his moon and end his life, maybe he did learn from that, you know. Maybe, I mean, listen, getting slammed around by a Hulk also feels like your life might be ending pretty soon. Now but, you uh, know how it feels. <laughs> uh, but listen, um, for myself, like, you know, as I've, I think I love this episode. Honestly, it's up there for me with the first two episodes is one of my favorites so far. Um, and I know we're only four episodes into this, but with two more to go, I really enjoyed the pace that they, they progressed these characters. And to me, it didn't feel, didn't feel rushed uh, and it was understandable um, and even natural in, in some instances for them to act uh, this way, given the circumstances. So, you know, I loved the book ending of seeing, you know, the Lokis enter the TVA by armed guard in a sense of sort of they're being rescued and then seeing them at the end in the same position. But now they're on their way to the death. It's just very poetic. Uh, and I, I think it's smart little moments in the writing throughout this uh, series and throughout this episode that I, I enjoy so much. And so it has action. It had character development and it does what Marvel does best which got me really excited to see what's next uh, while still remaining an interesting and engaging story on its own. I think this episode on its own right does that. Uh, so for all these reasons, um, I'm going to, I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with Matt on this one. I'm going to give this five Loki variants out of five, or as he said, 10, I'll give it 10. out of five. Uh, <laughs> no, it's okay. Honestly, it's okay. Matt, these two, these two rarely pay attention to my scales. So don't worry about that. Well. Uh, but let's get to our Loki perspective. Um, as we reach the end of this episode, we of course have to discuss that mid credit scene. Uh, so let's, uh, let's, let's get into it there. Oh, by the way, there is a mid credit scene, by the way, if you're, if you're still listening and you haven't somehow watch that yet now is your chance to pause this and then come right back when you've seen it okay has everybody everybody's watched it yeah okay you guys all watched it okay uh so loki awakens in a strange world and looks up to see three more loki variants uh one is a child loki uh another is a loki that holds a thor hammer uh, we also see an older Loki wearing a classic uh, Loki suit. Oh, and also, sorry, I guess there is a fourth. There's a freaking alligator Loki sitting there uh, I in Kid it's a Loki's crocodile? lap. Or it might be a crocodile. No, I don't, I'm not sure which I, one I, it is. <laughs> you'll have to write in and tell us whether it's a crocodile or alligator Loki. But uh, I need to know more now, more than ever, what is your low-key perspective on what's going to happen next? Matt, let's, let's get you to, to start us off right here. Well, one, I mean, where was my Jim Carrey holding his Loki mask? In that, <laughs> if you're really going to bring all the variants together. Oh, that would have been man. really cool. Yeah. Jim Carrey yeah. is a Loki variant? That oh. needs to be a thing. My God. <laughs> For sure. Um, yeah, you know, 
I know you said it earlier about the pruning. I, I was totally fooled. Like they duped me on the seriousness of the pruning mm. early on. And I did think like, oh, you're disintegrating people like and carelessly too. Yeah. Like, you know, like so. So I bought into it. So I was shocked in both scenes. Um, and then like certainly after the Loki one, I'm like, OK, wait a second. They can't have just killed off like two of the main characters right. in this episodes. episode. Yeah. So I wasn't surprised to see some sort of, you know, coming back. Um so I don't know, like, you know, what it did start me thinking about is, you know, all of the color schemes and some of the magic or the the mechanisms. So, you know, the pruning is often yellow, right? Mm-hmm. Which is the same color that those doors that open up are. So I'm like, okay, so maybe there's something about time, you know, yeah, yeah. Like that's that's bringing them somewhere or like, you know, dumping them somewhere. So, I mean, obviously that looks like what's happened and, you know, they sort of answer that he's not dead. So they are pretty clear about what's going on there. So um, I don't know. I don't know where they're going with this particular component, but uh, I thought it was just such a, an awesome, like that's one of the better Easter eggs I've seen at the end of a credit scene. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's a hundred percent. I agree with that. I, I, I'm wondering if this is a place where either it's either a place where all the prune go or just Loki's, one of the two, right? Or like, are is like what Matt said? Are they all Loki? Yeah, no, but that, that's what I mean, right? Like, if if Loki is the big one that's behind all of this, is the Wizard of Oz is the one pulling all the strings behind all of this, or it's taking place in the confines of his mind. Um, that's, that's a really interesting theory. And, and I think that that's obviously that still keeps it very central and focused on the character that the show's about. Um, but I, I do feel like they're like, this is the perfect Avenue to be introducing someone like Kang the Conqueror. I don't want to get too Mephisto with it. Cause we know how that right. all, all kind of happens, <laughs> but, um, I mean, he's in the show. He's, he's in the stained glass window, dude. So. Yeah, he he was referenced, but if, if anything, throughout this episode, I was I was drawing parallels to to Wandavision and just the idea of the multiverse and the Darkhold, all that magic there, and and obviously we know the multiverse is going to play a part in Doctor Strange and and Mark Waldron, who who's who's written this, is is writing that. Like, I, maybe I'm looking way too deep, which is what we do, I guess. But you know, I'm wondering if there's just some interesting parallels that are being drawn here, because there is a distinction between time magic and and sort of other magic and i think that the the color perception is is very much something to 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 talk about oh interesting uh like i'm gonna like agree with you just in that i mean while i don't know much about his character i do think this is how they bring in kang the conqueror you know having cast him already they know we know that this character is coming and his whole deal is with time and manipulation and changing events past and present. And this just seems like the perfect setup and introduction to that sort of big bad that we might get over the next, who knows, 10 movies before there's, you know, sort of a a climax and a showdown. And I think Ravona knows everything and she is either his daughter or his subservient, in some regard and she is doing his bidding you know in the natural eye of of the human world if you will right like she's she's controlling everything while he's pulling the strings from behind the scenes because yes she's obviously just a pawn for somebody far more important um and i just think uh it's either that or it is the loki theory where he's running the show and 
you know, I don't know. I just I prefer to think it could of it be almost Mephisto bigger. for all we know. <laughs> it's not Mephisto. But just really quickly, I do what like what I think we're seeing with these Lokis here is either this is a prison for everyone who's been pruned or just, just the Loki Lokis. variants. Yeah. Um, but there's got to be a reason they're waiting for Loki specifically. Right. Because he's That's just true. another Loki in that yes. case. So it's, he's got to be integral in some regard for them to have all been almost like sitting waiting. there waiting yeah. for yeah, yeah. this specific. That's, that's and I hope that means yeah. he is the one and they need the original Loki to escape or do whatever they want to do. Yeah. I just, it's interesting. So now that there's no timekeepers, right? So that's sort of off the table. So there's a couple of things that you might've taken for granted earlier that I'm like, okay, so why don't infinity stones work there? Like, who mm. is convincing all of these TVA members that they don't, you know, they were created magic. to work at the TVA? Right. So it's magic. So like, I, you know, it's interesting. And I kept, you know, looking at, you know, that sort of yellow thing. Like, even if you look at the Mind Stone, right? So if I read something online, I have like a clip here where it's like it grants um, the user powerful mental abilities, like the power to subjugate the minds of others, bending them to the will of others, as well as uh, project the user's consciousness to a higher plane of existence. The stone was also said to greatly increase the intelligence of those capable of wielding it, as shown in the case of Loki. So, you know, to me, I'm like, okay, so like if they're just in like a different plane of existence, which is maybe just like a mental projection, do infinity stones really work there? Can you bring them with you there if it's just your consciousness that's there? Mm. And if these are just sort of the consciousness of other people, um, and I do, I look at like that yellow color is used all over the place. Yeah. Um, so like, to me, there's, there's something there with all yeah, of that. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling that vibe because the red is the reality. And, you know, we've seen that red power, you know, already get established and it, it does associate with magic as well. Right. Like from where we've seen it. So like, what if this is a, like, you know, the ultimate wizard of Oz where like another magician is behind all of this, right. That's really creating all of this right like it's creating the, the matrix oz. and the wizard of oz takes place in dorothy's head exactly oh yeah Whoa. oh dude that's awesome <laughs> okay okay hold on okay i've been waiting too long here i okay first off i love seeing thor loki that was cool uh he had a giant wrench hammer and that's neat uh and also if you look closely you can see that the destroyed avengers tower in the background yeah. of that moment um so either this is an alternate timeline in which new york was actually wiped out instead of saved like in the first Avengers movie or this is New York like maybe post Thanos snap right um, and like the both of those moments would be very much apocalypses so that's a great way to hide out from the TVA uh, for all these these Lokis this army of Lokis obviously you know the next episode is going to be that penultimate episode where almost everything is explained we get to really dig into like Loki understanding more stuff before they move to the you know, the episode where he has to do the thing that's described to him in, in the next episode. So with all that said, I'm going to rant a little bit here. Give me a second. We're absolutely going to get an army of Lokis, and I maybe they all get wiped out by whoever the big bad is in the series. But I think that, uh, and, and Matt, you already kind of mentioned this, I think the person who's behind all this is, is Mobius. Uh, and I don't think it's the Mobius that we know I think it's maybe a Mobius variant who Ravona is actually in a relationship with um, but you know she knows that the, the 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 Mobius that she's in love with 
is flawed. And so that's why she flirts with like the good Mobius from time to time because she like really wants to be with good Mobius, but she knows that that's not the, <laughs> that the thing she needs to do. That might be crazy enough to actually be true. Right? Holy and then, and then hold up, hold up. Okay, wait, 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 wait. So which means, okay, that the TVA might actually be okay with other variants existing as long as they don't affect the sacred timeline or that these variants aren't from other timelines per se, but are actual variants on the same timeline, but in different multiverses. So, so, so I know I just said like 19 different th- theories there, but oh, I'm I, right. But I'm just saying, I love Matt, what you've kind of brought in here because we're going off on like, okay, is this Loki that's behind all this? Is this Kang the Conqueror that's behind all this? Is it Ravona? Is it Miss Minutes? Who is it? I think at the end of the day, it could be a mixture of that. We could have a situation where, yeah, maybe Kang saw that the Loki really did achieve his purpose in taking over the world as a good person, as a hero. And so maybe his goal is to end and get rid of every single Loki as the ultimate conqueror. So maybe it's a mix of all of this yeah, stuff, someone, you guys. Someone's got to benefit from his failures, right? right? And if someone succeeds, then it's not really... You know, if if Sylvie's the one that's the good one, right? It's not really following suit to the failures of Loki, right? So, dude, it's a very I don't know, man. I don't know. It's interesting. I like the, I like the Mobius theory, yeah. right? I don't know that I buy Mobius as the ultimate bad guy. Wow. Yeah. I, <laughs> Imagine he's I Mephisto. Do, wow! But I, All but along. I do buy. I do buy there being another agent that's him. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like that. That makes sense. Because I already also saw that, that poster. Happen in the, that poster. The coast, yeah. About like thoroughly deleting your variants. That's yes. Yes. Him, right? Yes. And like also the coast. The, the you said poster. I thought you said coaster. But his coat. He didn't use a coaster in her office. And there's like multiple of those there's rings. Someone and it's like clearly, there's someone else. Clearly, there's another else. Mobius yeah. that's doing that. Yeah. Yeah, see, like, I'm with Matt here. Like, I, I just wouldn't buy Mobius as the big bad for something Especially significant. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, it, it would kind of be like Agatha in, at the end of it just being, that's it. It's just Agatha. It was right. just Agatha all along. And that did kind of feel a little flat, right? With mm. how easy she was to beat. When, like, once you've introduced Thanos, man, every bad guy has to be at least close to that powerful, if not right. more powerful. So, mm. like, you know, just an evil Owen Wilson, I would have a really hard time buying that, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Owen Wilson as the bad guy. It's, that was interesting. I could definitely see him, like, dressing up in, like, some sort of, you know, Zoolander-style outfit and being like, I'm a Fisto, right? Like, that would be, that Dude, would be let's insane. Go. <laughs> let's go. Uh, but also, if he's a variant, he doesn't have to look like Owen Wilson. No, for sure. There that's true. It could be Luke there Wilson. Go. There you go. It could be Luke. There we <laughs> yeah, go. Luke <laughs> Wilson in here. If Luke Very Wilson cool. isn't in this show, it's a failed opportunity. <laughs> Oh, I'd love it if he just cameoed. That would be great. Yeah, um, yeah. That's I'm. Mean, it's, it's an interesting idea, though. If if there's like another Mobius uh, that's out there that's actually pulling the strings, hmm. you know. Any other low key? Any other low key perspectives before we wrap up? That's it. We've all of our minds have have imploded now. I'm just looking forward theories. to seeing where this goes because yeah, it's the penultimate next episode. So that's it. I, I might wake and we know up those at three in the, the best morning ones. and watch it. So yeah. <laughs> Very cool. All right. Well, listen, that is it. Uh, Before we go into our normal closing statements, Matt, did you want to take a moment to plug anything uh, that you want our listeners to check out during their next Nexus event? Uh, You know, the only thing I would even mention is uh, a good friend of mine, Jamie Dew, has a podcast called The Do-Over. He's actually got a bunch of different podcasts, um, but that's where 
I had my first opportunity to to be on a podcast. Also, my first opportunity to have a, a podcast go wrong. Oh no! <laughs> Which I think is a rite of passage in podcasting. Yes, it is. Yes. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's. I think he's got some amazing stuff, and I would highly recommend checking out the Do Over. Nice. Very cool. Awesome. Well, we'll have to give uh, your episode a listen and make sure uh, that we get. It did actually happen, though, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, <laughs> it's not. It happened. It's, it's not just stuck just to a, a time different door. timeline. Yeah, yeah, on yeah, a different I think timeline. I'm on, two. I'm on two two different episodes. Very cool. Okay, well, listen, we'll have to pop some of those episodes into the show notes. Uh, Justin will put a link in there for our lovely listeners. Listen, we hope you enjoyed this uh, low-key altering episode of Watch Club. And if you did, make sure to subscribe to us wherever you like to listen to podcasts, if you haven't already. And if you want to write into the show with your thoughts on this episode or your predictions for the series uh, that we cover here on Watch Club, well, listen, you don't need to get rescued slash arrested from an apocalypse, take down the TVA, fall in love with yourself, and unveil the truth about space lizards who are actually robots. Instead... Justin, can you let our listeners know where and when they can write into the show? They can reach us at wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. That's wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. Very cool. And also, if you don't know, we have more episodes, uh, you know, for from the Geek Centric podcast. Uh, like, for instance, we have another watch club that we have going on right now uh, where you can join Justin, Darcy and I for our Star Wars, the Bad Batch reviews every single week. Uh, and uh, we also have our regular episodes of the Geek Centric podcast with our latest episode out real soon where we're going to share our thoughts on Disney's latest animated series, Monsters at work so go give that a listen and a nice five-star rating because you are burdened with glorious purpose uh listen justin kevin and matt thank you so much for joining me for today's apocalyptic watch club and as we say for all time always